Hello and welcome to Pep Talks. I'm Frank Laughlin, Strategic Account Manager for Kerber Business Area Pharma. And I'm Elizabeth Doyle, HR Business Partner for Kerber Business Area Pharma. Our goal for Pep Talks is to have conversations on current topics impacting pharmaceutical manufacturing. And to get to know the people who are the experts in the industry. So sit back, relax, or go for a walk with some pep in your step. Welcome to Pep Talks. Today, we'd like to welcome Owen Bonner, Director of Sales and Operations of Ireland and UK, Herber Business Area Pharma. Owen, welcome. Thank you very much, Frank. Looking forward to our conversation today. This week, we're going to be talking about digitization. What does it mean to you? So, Owen? You know, I think if we talk, uh, Frank, uh, well, thank you very much for having me. First of all, if we talk about digitization in, in, let's say, pharma manufacturing, I think it's part of this continuous process that we've been going through since maybe the start of the 80s or very slightly before that, where the manufacturing process is becoming ever more automated, become ever more reliant on data, and more and more of the data is being collected. There's this ever-growing desire to analyze and understand what's happening in your manufacturing plant. So to me, when someone says, what is digitization? It's nothing much more than collecting data relating to what you do in your factory and trying to understand it. So how does a company start the digitization process? Yeah, I think it would be very difficult not to have the digitization process somehow started these days because everyone is pretty much automating at least some part of the process, even kind of uh, early stage manufacturing, like clinical trial manufacturing is controlled, at least at the equipment level right now. I think when people talk more with these buzzwords like industry 4.0, like digitization, even if we start to think about industrial Ethernet of things or Internet of things, they're more thinking about collecting understanding, analyzing, curating all of this data that's in your plant into electronic systems and using those systems to make sense. So where do they start? Well, they start with automating the process. They start with automating the equipment. But then they, the next step is probably automating what the people do and taking the kind of pressure off your operators and using automated systems to guide them in doing their job. So if I think then about, let's say, what we do in MES systems, we're offering advice and help to operators at the point that they need it as to what the next step to do in their job. And that's already then part of the whole goal of digitizing what the workforce is doing, because as soon as you are using a digital system to tell them what to do, you're also collecting data on what they did do. The next step after that is understanding that data. So if I could maybe jump off into a little, maybe a little academic topic, there's this process called the Gartner Pace Layer, where they talk about systems of record. In other words, recording what happened in your plant. They talk about systems of differentiation, where I'm now using the knowledge of what I understand from my plant to make my plant better than your plant. And, and even taking the next step, the future step is this so-called system of innovation, where I have learned and understand what I've done so well, 
that I can really drive innovation in my, in my corporation. You've got a broad background in automation. Is automation and digitization the same thing? I think automation is very much part of digitization, but at this stage, it's part of it in the same way that a donkey and cart is part of the transport system. So yes, donkeys and carts can get things around the place, but they're not really at the absolute cutting edge of what you would really call digitization these days. So maybe more things, maybe when people say the words digitization right now, they're more thinking about collecting and curating their data into ways that they can understand it and use it for these other things that I've said, like differentiating between them and their competitors or innovating around the process. So collecting data, relating it to other data, and using that then greater understanding of what you're doing to really drive performance improvements in your plant. So in your thought, does digitization promote efficiency? I definitely think digitization can promote efficiency. I would say maybe that's not, it's a benefit, but it might not even be the main benefit in the long run. Uh, So let me have a little think of an example. Efficiency, you could say, if I knew when the product in my dryer was dry, I would stop the dryer at that point and take it out. Well, we can know that now. We can use advanced analytical instruments taking direct measurements from the dryer and say, telling us when, when uh, the material inside is dry. That isn't always done. Even today, you find people drying to a certain set length of time, which means that likely the product has been overdried or you know, likely overdried before it has, take, has been taken out. So digitization, gathering that extra data from, let's say, a PAT analyzer and really understanding the measurements from that analyzer and how it correlates to dryness, that's an efficiency. So is that the main efficiency? Well, I would say the main efficiency is in having those kind of instruments all over your plant and understanding all of your process somehow at once and making these incremental uh, differences everywhere throughout your plant so that in the end, your process understanding gives you the ability to get efficiencies nearly everywhere. That's at least the vision. You make a great point from the standpoint of you know, we would go to that 40-minute timer over and over and over again because that's the validated time. And we've done that at some other point in time. Has digitization been slow to take off in the biopharma world based on inherent inversion of risk? You know, can I I just go back to what you just said there about validation? And and even really, if I I reflect on what I said about the industrial ethernet of things as well, the question might be, a good question might be to ask, does validation get in the way of digitization? Does it really stop us thinking about using the data we've already got? Because there isn't really a barrier to doing some of these uh, fairly well-known process improvements from other industries doing it in the pharma industry. PAT instruments work really well, but why are are we still looking at that 40-minute timer? Is it validation? Is it the needs to qualify our process against something known? Is it the inherent risk adverseness of the industry? I'm not sure, but it's definitely a barrier to be broken down if we're going to take the next step in making drugs easier to make, cheaper to make, and more widely accessible. I think the question, too, is can we look at our validation concepts 
and argue that the introduction of a new sensor or knowing that a new sensor has been developed can be introduced to help reduce that validation effort. Just like you had said before, you know, maybe the clothes are dry in 30 minutes instead of 40, but we know we validated it to 40 because we knew at the end of 40 minutes, everything was dry. But with the advent of a new sensor, we can question that validation protocol and come up with something new. Regulatory authorities are all behind this. So it takes it's going to take somebody to really stand up. And it's got to be driven as much by, by the vendors of the equipment, not just relying on guidance from the end users, from the, from the pharma manufacturers, but also us putting it out there that there are these new concepts, that they are reliable, and that we understand how they work and we can make them fit into your process. So this is a shared enterprise amongst manufacturing engineers and people who support them like us. So we in the vendor and engineering community in the, uh, in the uh, instrumentation automa automation digitization community, let's call it that. We're looking for a digital revolution. Well, we've got to drive the digital revolution by explaining how reliable these systems are and finding ways to make them work for our customers. So I'll go back to my last question, because I think the digital revolution has been happening in front of us for decades at this point in time. Has digitization been slow to take off in the biopharma world based on inherent aversion to risk? Yes, you're very right, Frank. The drug manufacturing community has been extremely cautious. You know, they're putting, they're making products that in the end are going into people's bodies. So they want to know, or they need to be sure that they know what that product is. But when you think about the ever increasing prosperity in the world, the ever increasing pressure from the payer communities, countries outside of maybe Western Europe and the US and uh, maybe more developed countries, who are pushing to make especially generic medicines at a vastly different cost price than, than we've done before. And they're questioning, why can we not do it the way other industries do it? Why can we not take use really benefit from these new technologies and new ways of doing things that didn't exist when we started on this journey of digitization in the mid, and, mid to late 80s? So the term risk adverse speaks to my HR heart. I wish more people were risk adverse, but it sounds like in digitization and taking this jump and moving in this area, risk adverse isn't what you want to do um, or isn't what you want to be. Do you think that things have to break for people to get on board or should this be a core competency to keep them competitive in the market? That's a great question. And, you know, the question is what when you say do things need to break? I think you could go to quite a lot of countries where they would already say they're broken, where they are not getting medicines in front of their population that they need, where even you know COVID has exposed fragile supply chains in a lot of countries, and now they're bringing manufacturing back into country where it had been offshored for cost reasons. So if you now reshore it, have those cost reasons gone away? No, they haven't. Nobody wants to spend more money on drug, drug manufacturing. So maybe this pandemic has been also an inflection point for a lot of reasons that digitization and modern manufacturing and bringing data together and maybe even making a new layer in the Gartner Pace model called the layer of execution, which is really about making the product, making it very efficiently and making it very repeatedly with these new and modern methods. 
here, here's a great example that uh, from something in the West. With the explosion of capacity in, in biomanufacturing, one of the problems now is in finding suitably qualified operators. Our way around that is to use more systems and more instrumentation to check and double check and tell and double tell people what to do when they're making a complex product. So if now I can maybe de-skill the people that I need, or at least give them the support that they need to make these complicated products at some kind of acceptable price level, or at least at all, if I'm in a place where I, where I have got a tight labor supply, which is in a lot of countries. A lot of manufacturing plants are losing staff, not gaining staff, through retirement, through normal attrition, but they still have a need to make product. So I think maybe the whole digital revolution is coming nearly whether we like it or not. So this risk adversity is something that is has emerged over time because of driven by regulation and to a very large extent, but even the regulators are changing their minds and whatnot. If we're going to systematize and help with the production process, are the vendors keeping up with the digitization revolution? <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, easier to do than it is to say. One, two, three, one, two, three. Yeah. Pick a pepper packers, right? (laughs) Pick peppers. All right. So with systemization, helping the manufacturing process, do you think vendors are keeping up with the digitization revolution? I think the vendors in the space that we're in, in in pharma manufacturing, are definitely interested in, in, in innovation in this area. When we look to the strategic focus of Harbor Pharma and other people like us, we, we see a lot of investment in the future. We see acquisitions filling out the portfolio with a view to becoming, let's say, strategically relevant to our customers. What does that mean? It means being relied on them to help them make their product. So if you're not keeping up, there's a great chance that you're going to be bought out with somebody who is keeping up. So, and we see that all the time, I would say. You know, there's a lot of acquisitions in in the vendor space, not just in systems, but also in machine systems. So makers of machinery coming together in larger groups, then having better data integration layers across the top, more consistent communication between machines, all with this view of bringing consistency at the data and knowledge level across the top of the machine, which in the past would have been purely mechanical or largely mechanical. And you've Um, said automation and digitization. Can you explain the difference between those two things? So I'm not sure that I would say there's a very huge difference between automation and digitization. I just think that automation is only a small part of it. So even think about the traditional S95, S88 layers. Automation is about controlling equipment, let's say, gathering data, yeah, maybe gathering data for, about the environment. MES might be more about helping, controlling, gathering data at the next level up, relating to more about the people and the process. ERP systems are about gathering data around the corporation and the, and the flow of money, the flow of material and so on, and other supporting systems like lab systems, like documentation systems, they all go towards this idea of digitization. But the core to it is, if I, re, if I refer back to what I said about the Gartner model, is 
you need to understand that breadth of data. You need to have a way of curating that data and understanding that data in order for it to really be a revolution. Because otherwise you're gathering these huge pieces of information about what you've done, but without any real way to use that data to make your life better or easier in the future. So these so-called systems of innovation, which I believe are coming, gathering the data together, kind of curating it into answering the kinds of questions like, what team of operators produce product with the least number of quality deviations? Or if I compare making product in factory A and factory B, which factory meets its targets more often? Why? Why do they do that? Is it that they have a more modern infrastructure? Do they have better trained people? Have they had more investment in the past? Have we been able to kind of drill down to where, what mistakes are made where and why in order to understand how the next time I make a plant or the next time I move a product to a different plant, I can use that knowledge to make sure that I'm doing a better job next time. But that means I have to have the right data somehow connected together and the right way of understanding it in order to do that. And by the way, asking the right questions as well. Right. Your data is only as good as what you do with it. And how you interrogate it. Sure. Now, COGM is a big metric that we use, cost of goods manufactured. Is there a balance of business value versus digitization? Uh, that's a great question, you know, because at every point, decisions are, are typically made on a project, on a project basis. You know, so if I'm thinking about putting in a new MES, that has to be a standalone decision has to pay back for itself. It's got to have a, a known benefit and a known payback time and so on. And it, in the end, plays into the whole topic of, let's say, cost of goods manufactured. But if, I, if you take a little step back from that, there's also something around the whole architecture of the enterprise. So what am I doing, broadly speaking, in the enterprise? How am I filling in the gaps? If I got a good strategic plan around what I want my data infrastructure to look like, same as my physical infrastructure that's underneath it. And how am I going to start piecing these things together and understanding them? So yes, it has a huge part to play because even today, most parts that would go up, let's say, to make that digital landscape have to work as a standalone basis as well, as well as part of the overall whole. So yes, we need to focus very much on delivering value at, let's say, scale one, but we also need to think about how we deliver value at scale two or even scale three. When I'm sitting as the CIO of a pharma company, looking down at what I've got from a distance, can I see how it all fits together? And can I select partners that really have a vision for how it fits together? And does that kind of tie into this pharma 4.0 that we hear about taking it to this next, next, next level? I would say it does fit into it. Pharma 4.0, what does that really mean? It means having a digital strategy. It means making use of modern technologies. It means making use of modern equipment and instrumentation that is able to share data, that is intelligent in some way, and that gives you the tools you need to analyze your process. So to my mind, I would say 4.0, digital revolution, nearly interchangeable. It's all part of this 
I would say, slow but inexorable move towards having and managing my data in my company a little bit better. And can I can I say maybe having a landscape in my mind of what that looks like is nearly the most important step because otherwise the decisions I take will be individual decisions that I then look to connect together in the future rather than an integrated vision that I deliver part by part. So if I'm a CIO, I'm looking at it like that. Do you think that some people are so focused on the future strategy that they forget to take that first step? I would say it's the opposite way around, unfortunately. Today, it's probably people are more focused on getting approval for the project they want to do, and they haven't considered how it fits into the future strategy. So that's why that step isn't taken, because yeah, the cost of capital or the lack of availability of capital, the need to justify every single expenditure is really a driver for people in yeah, minimizing what they spend today and maximizing the return on what they do spend without really thinking, how does this help me in 10 years' time? Sure. Is the digital strategy, in some cases, ready firing? <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> because you're absolutely right. You know, when you go into a new plan. Sorry, sorry, sorry maybe it's fire aim ready. <laughs> right. There you go. <laughs> right. When you go into a new plant, you know, talking about digitization, when you go into a new plant, there are certain things that we're always going to put in there. We're always going to put a level two system in. So we're going to have our automation and that can be a, a different flavor. There's probably going to be some type of learning management system. There's probably going to be some type of limb system that's going to be in there. Well, can I, can I stop you there for a second? Yeah, go ahead. Because we know very well that an integrated level two system produces a benefit that's w- worth putting in an integrated level two. Mm-hmm. So DCS system plant-wide or SCADA system plant-wide, we know that, everybody knows that. But if you walk into, let's say, a cell and gene factory today or a single-use biotech factory that's uh, scaling up today, you'll find individual machines that don't talk together. So actually, it isn't even right to say that that at the first level of knowing is being implemented today, because some mistakes that have been made in the past are still being made today. If I think back 15 years ago, people were talking about how to have a common level two layer, let's say in packaging machine, in a packaging hall. Today, they're wondering, should they do the same thing in a single-use biotech hall? I think that was my, the answer to that. Yeah, that was my earlier question, is as we're getting to the CGNT world and individualized medicine, I think the question still is valid. Are vendors keeping up with the revolution? And I don't think it's fair, like you said earlier, that a plant has to have a digital strategy. And they might be looking at equipment that actually has the capability to talk to each other. But I think it's more up to the vendors to understand where this digital revolution is going and how do they fit into, say, a CG&T strategy. Yeah, and that's our responsibility as much as it is the manufacturing community's responsibility because as you know, we, are, we are active in the cell and gene community, we have to tell people what the benefits are and we have to explain to people what the future looks like. And look, it's all of our responsibility to help the people that we, that, that we work with 
make drugs cheaper, make them more accessible, and in the end, help patients. And I agree with you 100%. You know, we talk to a lot of different companies and you don't know what you don't know. And it's all part of the learning. So I think that is part of our responsibility within the realm of what we do is to help educate the folks that are out there that are still maybe working on paper. And exactly right. Here's the the paradigm. We're working in disconnected systems or or producing batch reports that have to be collated from one area to the next, you know. So all of those benefits, we shouldn't also get carried away with the distant future and what we want that to look like. Because there's a lot of benefits that we can offer people, we engineers automating and digitizing plants. That's who I mean by we can offer people by doing what we already know how to do very well today in these emerging technology companies. So I think it's not necessarily a digital revolution. It's more of a digitization journey. Yes, I think that that is fair to say that it, it is a journey and people will be in different parts of the road at different times. So I completely understand if I was a a small and growing company, I invest in my product before I invest in my digital landscape, which means then that they are somewhat left behind or they're slower on the road to digitization than, let's say, a large multinational corporation. So it's a digital journey that doesn't end is what I would say. You have some systems, you're filling gaps all the time and you're growing your understanding all of the time. So digitization, it's not a revolution that finishes. It's a revolution that started. Thank you for tuning in to Pep Talks, the pharmaceutical expert podcast. And a big thank you to our guest, Owen Bonner, Director of Sales and Operations for Ireland and the UK. Don't forget to comment, like us, and stay tuned for the next episode. This podcast is brought to you by Kerber Business Area Pharma.